All right, I'm sure uh, more people come as they go through the line, but once again, welcome to Hebrew Club. Very happy to have everybody here today on a rainy Thursday, right, after the symposium. Um, we are on uh, 2 Samuel chapter 3, and we're about ready to start verse 32. Remember, uh, Abner was dead for, uh, of non-natural causes, so to speak, and so what uh, we're going to look at now is the burial of Abner and the what happened subsequently to that. All right, so we're going to start with chapter three, <clears throat> once again, verse thirty-two, where it says, "Vayik uh, beru," right there, "Vayik beru et Avner bechevron, vayisahamelik et kolo vayefk el kever Avner vayivku kol haam." And they buried Abner. That's from Kavar, the Vav consecutive, imperfect, very clear. And they buried Abner in Hebron, in Hebron. Right? And he lifted up. What's the root of Vayisa? Nasa. Very good. And the king lifted up his voice. And here it is, Hebrew 1 students. You guys all know the root. And he wept. What's the root? Don't let me down. Baka. Yeah. It's to weep, and notice it's a vav consecutive imperfect call, but the form is not what you learn in your textbook as we went through. There's the seirei under the yud, the seirei under the yud looks very odd, but that's this form, you see this over and over with the root baka. Um, with the, uh, and you know, a number of other words have the same, <coughs> same form to it. So, and he wept el kever. Notice where el and all are used. Um, Interchangeably, and here it would seem to us from learning our Hebrew that it should be all here. He wept over the grave of Abner, but notice it uses L quite naturally, and I think in English style we would still say, and he wept over or upon the kever Abner, the grave of Abner. And they wept, Vayivku again from Baka, and all the people wept. Again, that call, um, Bob consecutive imperfect from Baka. All right? Um, any questions about verse 32? All right. Verse 33. We get a little poem here. Vayekonen hamelech el avner vayomar ha kemot navayamut avner. Okay, now, uh, and he lamented. This is a polel, vav consecutive, third masculine singular from, from Canaan. All right, to lament, all right, and the king lamented, again, L, notice, but uh, your manuscripts, there's a number of manuscripts that have all instead, um, just like uh, in the previous use of L, a lot of manuscripts and versions seem to have all behind it, so there is kind of a textual variant here. So the king lamented over Abner, Vayomar, and he said, Okay, ha kemot naval. Naval is the word for foolish, but here it's used as substantive, a fool. Um, mot is in the construct from mavet, which means death. The ke is the preposition ke, and the he, the he with, a, with the uh, patach under it is a, uh, an interrogative he. So, um, as the death of a fool 
will Abner die? See, no, notice Yamut is a call, imperfect, third masculine, singular, from Mut, to die. So, um, will Abner die like a fool dies, really? Like the death of a fool, will Abner die? All right, and notice he's, he, or, or maybe you want to put it like in English, should Abner die like the death of a fool? So that's kind of what happened. See, he was lured in, he was deceived, and then he was stabbed. See? Okay. Um, any questions about verse 33? About any of the forms? All right. Verse 34. Va yadeka lo asurot veragleka lo lin chutatayim hugashu kinfol lifne b'neavla Nafala. Okay, your hand not was bound. See that Asu wrote? That's a call passive participle from Asar to bind. Notice you have it's but notice it's feminine plural. And it goes with Yadeka, which in the Masoretic text, notice the consonants are um, singular, your hand. So there's an incongruity of number. Your hand was not bound. See, notice the singular with the plural. But notice a number of manuscripts want to give you the plural of hands so that you don't have that ambiguity. And so I think most of your translations will actually go with this, the singular. Your hands were not bound. But notice in the Hebrew Masoretic text, there's an incongruity of number. So your hand was not bound. Verag leka. And as for your feet, Ragleka, see, as for your feet, not to, and now this word, chushtayim, what kind of plural is this? The tayim, it's dual. And it's, uh, the word nechoshet is bronze, but here it means fetters. And not to fetters, now here's a really huge word, not to fetters were your feet brought near. Okay, this hugashu, Everybody see what the root is? You can guess. What's the root? Nagash. See, you have the dagash preceded by a short vowel. And this is one of those hafal forms. Nagash means to bring near. So um, in the hip field, to be brought near in the, in the uh, hafal. So this is a rare term. You don't see very many hafals, right? And notice it's your feet is the subject. And your feet... Were not brought, were brought near, were not brought near to fetters. In other words, no one bound you, captured you, and brought you in and then killed you. All right, you were a free man when you were killed. All right, now kinfol lifne bene avla nafala. As the falling, that nafol is a call infinitive construct. As the falling before a bene avla. Okay, before now notice. Avla means perversity, so this is literally sons of perversity. As the falling before, and we would probably say, uh, notice the B'nai is using this idiomatic phrase to indicate a class of people. As the falling before perverse people, or evil people really. Nafalta, you fell. Call, uh, perfect, second masculine, singular. Notice it's in pause, so the patak lengthens to a kamatz as you would expect. As the falling before perverse people, you have fallen. All right, so that's his little lament that he's sung. All right, any questions about verse 34? Yes, Jim. Uh, 
Yeah. Okay, it has a different word for um, um, to be bound. And so what has, um, let's see, it, it has your hands not were bound. It has that word. And then it has bizekim uh, in chains. All right, so that's what, so Qumran seems to have an addition there. kind of interesting. I'd like to see the full thing of that. All right, good. Any other questions? All right, verse 35, or the end of verse 34. Va yosifu, va yosifu kol ha'am libekot alav. Okay, va yosifu. Here's that famous vav consecutive. You know it's a vav consecutive because of the patach under the vav with the dagish and the yud. This is that famous hifil form of yasaf. Hifil form of yasaf. Um, masculine plural, vav consecutive, and it means to add. And remember the idiom when you have this word, what are you looking for? What's the next kind of word you're looking for when you see and he and they added? You're looking for an infinitive construct. And there it is in the live coat. And the subject is kol ha'am. So all the people added to weep over him. Notice the bakot is a call infinitive construct from baka. Again, so we've had baka three times here, three different forms. Ain't that nice? So all the people added to weep over him, which we would say all the people continued to weep over him. See, that's how that idiom is. When you have yasaf plus the infinitive construct, the infinitive becomes the finite verb in English translation. All the people wept continually or kept weeping al av over him. Okay? All right, questions about that little phrase there. Again, you'll see that over and over again. Now, verse 35. Vayavo kol ha'am lehavrot et David lechem be'od hayom. Let's stop there. And all the people came or entered. Vayavo Notice that that's a call in imperfect vav consecutive from Bo. All the people came lehavrot. This is a hifil infinitive construct from this rare word bara, bait, resh, hey, and it's only used a few times, and it means to eat in the call. So what do you think the hifil means? If the call is to eat, what's the hifil? To make to eat or to right. So all the people entered. To make et David, notice how David is the direct object, to make David eat lechem, eat some food. Be'od, uh, notice that that translates while or still, in, while yet it was hayom, the day. All right, in other words, David had been fasting. So, all, and I think here am doesn't mean people in general, but the troops. Remember, Am means the army of David and Saul throughout the book of Samuel. We saw this in 1 Samuel. So I think it's all the army came to make David eat bread while yet the day, while it was still day. Okay? David But David swore, saying, notice you have Vayishava. It's a nifal, infinitive construct, third masculine from Shava. It doesn't occur in the call. David swore, Lemor, saying, Koya Elohim. Thus 
may God do, yaaseh, to me. Thus may God do to me. Bekoyosif, and thus may he add. Here again is that hifil of um, yasaf. And thus may he continue to do or add. Ki'im, certainly if. Notice the key is probably a strong, this is a strong oath. Ki'im. If before the um, uh, coming of the sun, okay, so notice here you have an infinitive construct, bow. If, the ent- if before the entering of the sun, okay, et, et am lechem o kol me'uma. Um, if before the entering of the sun, I taste from ta'am, call imperfect, first common singular, I, if I taste bread or coal, any me'uma, anything else. Okay, so let me translate from there again, saying, thus may God do to me, and thus may he continue to do, certainly, or indeed, if before the entering of the sun, or we would probably say before the setting of the sun, I taste bread or anything else. What's interesting here is when you see that word lifne, you normally think of spatial. I'm standing before the king, but notice here it's temporal. It's a temporal use, and I think that's a less common use. I didn't have a chance to check and see how common that is, but uh, we, ha- we don't run across it that much, lifne as temporal. It's very interesting. Yeah. Before and before and before and yeah. Two yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Right. So the same kind of usage. Very. Yes. Yes. Please, Jim. Uh, with with Shemesh, when Shemesh bows, uh, is that is that always going to be the setting of the sun? Could that be? Could Ooh, that's a good or question. Or is it a different word? I think there's probably a different word for the. Uh, but yeah, the bow is usually thought of as the sun going down, and the other one would be zarach to rise or maybe kum to rise. I would say generally, but I haven't looked at every phrase. So I think that that's right. So I think this is kind of standard here. So he's not going to eat. Cause, and I n- notice that the context helps me a little because the previous line said he was David was not eating bread while it was still hayom, while it's still the day. So I think that's what it's talking about, until the sun goes down. Um, or sets. And, you know, they probably look at it as, you know, it enters the backside or the horizon. He's not going to eat anything. Okay? What yes? What do you mean by uh, the Lord do to me? Okay. Yeah, notice that in, when you, you, this is a standard oath formula. Koya said, thus may he do and thus may he add to do. And a lot of people think it was accompanied by some kind of a gesture, like the cutting of your throat or something like that. Or that uh, David would say something that the narrator here has just kind of left out. And it's just like um, sometimes we say, and he said so-and-so, or he said thus and thus. So it's kind of like the narrator doesn't really tell us all that David said. So some suggest that the narrator is just kind of shorthanding what David said. Others suggest that David's oath was accompanied by some gesture. Um, and we don't know, but it's kind of a standard formula. So we don't really know what David was saying or doing or meant by, yeah, thus may he do to me. Right. But from the context, you can tell it's some sort of negative thing. Right, right, right. So we would say, may Yahweh kill me if I eat anything or something like that. 
And we know David can get pretty bad with his curses because remember what he just cursed for Joab a few verses last week? That was not pretty. <laughs> so maybe we don't want to know. <laughs> he wasn't going to eat anything. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, verse 36. This is very interesting. Here you can see the politics involved. The politics comes to the surface in this verse. Vekol ha'am hikiru vayita be'enehem kekol asher asahamelech kol ha'am tov. And all, now I'm going to, I think it's really strong here that we see the troops because this is who he had to get over to his side. So, and all the troops, ha'am, all the army, Hikiru, what's the root? Nakar, very good. Hifil, perfect. Okay, and all the troops. And notice you have collective am, plural verb. Collective am, plural verb. You'll see a variation in singular and plurals around collectives um, all over the place. And with am, it varies between the book. Within a book, more commonly uh, in later Hebrew, it's uh, collectives seem to be rendered with plurals, but that's not overwhelming by any means. So here we have it in, in what would be called an earlier piece of Hebrew writing. So. And all the people observed. And I would say, again, all the army observed. Vayitav, call imperfect from Yatav, and it was good in their eyes. Be'enehem. And it was good in their eyes, see? Now you'll see what comes next. Kekol, according to all, just are like everything which Asa Hamelech, like everything which the king did, Be'enehem in the eyes of all the army was good. So this was good, again, like everything which the king did in the eyes of all the army was good. All right, now here's the key line coming up. Verse 37. Okay. And they knew and see, notice, all the army knew. Now notice, and all Yisrael. Who's he referring to when he means Israel? Notice the northern tribes mostly. Because remember what happened? It was Abner who was going to bring the north in. So all the army knew, and all Israel, Bayom Hahu, on that day. And notice here you have an object clause following a verb of a perception. Knew what? Knew that. Not that it was not from Meha Melech, from the king. That not was from the king, or that it was not from the king, Lehamit, to kill, notice that this is a Hifil infinitive construct, to kill Abner, son of Ner. So again, all the people and all Israel realized on that day, or at that time, that. It was not from the king to kill Abner, son of Ner. See the politics kind of imply or coming below the surface? So David's um, lamenting was very important, not only theologically, but politically. All right? And of course, in the Old Testament, theology and politics are thoroughly together anyway. But I just want to show you that David wasn't stupid. He knew that he had to really show Israel that this was not a plot on his part. Otherwise, the chance for the United Kingdom um, 
would be destroyed. They're, the war, and remember, the war had been going on for a long time. Chapter three, the beginning of chapter three, it said the war was long between the house of Saul and the house of David. Um, and uh, so you can imagine that uh, the land was getting tired of the whole thing. So this was really important, an important point in Israel's history. Questions through verse thirty-seven. All right, verse thirty-eight. Vayomer Hamelik el Avadav. Halo ki sar vegadol nafahayom hazeb beYisrael, and the king said, "Vayomer hamelk." And the king said to Avadav, his servants, "Halo tedeu, do you not know that a prince, a sar, and a gadol, and a great man, nafal, has fallen hayom hazeb this day beYisrael in Israel?" Okay, verse thirty-nine. Okay. And I, Hayom, today am rock. Notice where you have to supply the helping verb. And I today rock. I today am rock. I am tender. I am sensitive. I am, I don't know if weak is the right word, but let's play with that for a little bit. That's what it means. Rakak means to be tender to be weak okay so I today am weak now umashuach notice that the root is mashach to anoint this is a call passive um, participle so notice put that together king and anointed as king so notice I today am weak and anointed as king so notice it's incongruous so something like I today am weak although anointed as king now, that's, you'll see why I'm translating it that way in the next phrase here. But these men, see, notice men, the these, but these men, the B'nai Zeruyah, the children of Zeruyah, remember who, who's that? That's Joab and his brother, um, remember, who had killed Abner for killing their little brother. All right? So, but these men... The sons of Zeruah are Kashim. Kashim means hard, but we would probably say are um, cruel. Are, yeah, cruel. Let's just stick with cruel. Are cruel, mimeni, from me. So notice the min functions here as a comparative. See? So it's something like, but these men, the sons of Zeruah, are too cruel for me, or are crueler than me. All right, or wilder than me, or something like that. Yeshalem Yahweh le'ose ha ra'ah kera'ato. Yeshalem, notice it's a pl form from shalom. It means to pay back. So may Yahweh pay to the doer of the evil. Notice that that's a participle in um, in construct. All right. So may Yahweh pay back to the one who does the evil according to his evil. So once again, he kind of reflects on the cruelty of uh, Joab and his brother for what they did. So they really come out, you know, notice that the narrator is very careful to paint a certain picture of them. Notice how David is set in contrast to them and how all the people look on David. And we have been seeing this through 1 Samuel, right? David, the people praise him. He always does well. So David's star keeps ascending while Saul and his families keep 
descending, and now you've been set in contrast to the to uh, Joab, who still remains his close aide through the book, as we'll see. Okay, so it's a very interesting incident here. All right, questions through chapter three then. All right, very good. We'll stop here then, and thank you guys, and we'll continue on the saga of David and the uniting of the two.